Hi there, we're Dr. Luffy and Dr. Leah. You're listening to the Medical and Dental Podcast. Luffy is a medical doctor and Leah is a dentist. We're sisters who are both based in Melbourne. Our podcast will discuss medicine and dentistry, but we'll also touch on other topics such as current affairs, lifestyle, health and fitness, and everything in between. Welcome to our podcast. Are you healthy? Ask yourself, physically and mentally, do you consider yourself a healthy person? I had to ask myself the same question last week. I found that I was feeling down for too many days of the week and it felt strange. Um, I definitely had to take some action. Reflecting on myself, I've since realized that my motivation for fitness was largely extrinsic, meaning it came from external factors and was more from making sure I was fit so that I had the mental stamina to study, to work, to look good and for social interaction. I've been very lucky that I've been quite healthy my whole life and I've been able to maintain this moderate level of fitness using mainly extrinsic motivation. However, during lockdown, I've come to the realization that your environment will change. The only way to stay healthy through all the ups and downs in life is through intrinsic motivation. That is maintaining your health and fitness because you want to, not because someone else does, not because you'll get negative comments or positive comments if you do something, but because you choose to. In a fast paced world full of social media and judgment, It's easy to be affected by extrinsic sources, but with the luxury of time and space during lockdown, there's actually no better time to focus on your own physical and mental well-being. All of this caused me to reevaluate my perception of health and what it actually means to be healthy. This is a big conversation. So for today's episode, let's focus on how you can keep your mind and body as healthy as possible during lockdown. And much of this can be applied to normal life too. So let's focus on eight things that are within your control. One is sleep. Two, diet. Three, exercise. Four, setting daily and weekly goals. Five, Dedicate areas in the house for different activities. Number six, allocate time regularly for social interaction with family and friends. Number seven, allocate a dedicated period of downtime for yourself each day. And number eight, create a schedule. Each of these topics will help your physical health as well as your mental health during these times of isolation and decreased social interaction. The first topic we're going to discuss is one of the most important topics, and that is sleep. So I'll hand you over to my sister, personal GP and co-host, Dr. Luffy. Thank you, Leah. When we think about basic needs, uh, what do we think about? What do you think about, for instance, Leah? I think about family because I could not live without my family. I think about food. (laughs) Um, because I love food too. I think about having a roof over my head Mm. um, and how lucky we are to have, you know, shelter, Mm -hmm. um, somewhere to sleep, somewhere to shower Mm -hmm. um, and keep clean and brush our teeth. Um, I think about access to healthcare and I think about clothing. 
uh, when it, it's quite common for, you know, when people are asked uh, about basic essential needs for us to first think about food, shelter and clothing. Mm. Mm. It's really great that you actually thought about sleep also. But a lot of people may not think about sleep as an essential basic need. Mm. Good sleep hygiene is actually one of the most important basic needs. But it's also one of the most neglected aspects of our overall health and well-being. Did you know that approximately 40% of Australians are not getting enough sleep? No, I didn't know that, but that makes sense because I don't think we're getting enough sleep. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. A, a lot of Australians. Yeah, it's a lot mm. of people. Mm. When we th- I mean when we think about health, we think about our diet, what we eat, how much we eat, do we get enough greens, do we drink enough water, do we eat enough meat? Mm. And when we think about health, we also think about exercise. How much exercise we do, what types of exercise we do. Do we do enough cardio? Do we need to do sort of more resistance exercise? But what about sleep? When you think about health, do you think about sleep? (laughs) If we take a moment to just reflect on how well we sleep, then we can think about how our sleep affects other aspects of our life. I mean... I know I can have days when I may stay up a little later than usual or go out and get home late or sometimes I may have finished work later than expected and so I end up getting home late, I end up having a late dinner and less time to wind down Mm. and that then encroaches into my sleep time. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're aware of when this happens and the effects that it may have on how well you function the following day, then you can adjust it. You can work on it. Good sleep hygiene is important for both physical and mental health. There is a lot of research that has shown that when you have insufficient sleep, excessive sleep or poor quality sleep, this can have detrimental effects on your hormones and your brain function. So then this can lead to weight gain, mood changes, poor concentration, slower reaction times, impaired memory and so on. I mean, when I stay up late doing work from home, for instance, at the end of the week or during the weekend, I do notice that the following day, I may be a little bit more irritable than usual, or it can take me longer to process things or make decisions about things. So in effect, by trying to be more efficient and squeezing in more tasks late at night, in actuality, I become less efficient the following day. It's like when you stay up late cramming the night before an exam and then the following day during the exam, you might find it harder to focus or recall the information that you actually studied the night before. But what about an extreme situation where you don't sleep at all one night? Staying awake for 24 hours leads to reduced hand-eye coordination that is similar to having a blood alcohol level of 0.1. That's dangerous. Can you imagine someone not sleeping at all one night and then driving? And what if sleep issues were to continue over a long period of time, such as weeks or months? This can lead to more than just a little moodiness or forgetting where you left your keys, for instance. Ongoing lack of sleep can increase your risk of developing chronic diseases, such as diabetes and heart disease. It can lead to depression, anxiety or other mental health conditions. There are, of course, certain medical conditions that can be the cause of sleep issues, such as obstructive sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, thyroid issues, 
or mental health conditions such as post-traumatic stress disorder, depression or anxiety. But for the majority of patients who I've seen in my consulting room, a lack of sleep hygiene plays a major role in at least perpetuating sleep issues. I mean, 2020 has been a challenging year for most of us, and this has been a global issue. Different parts of the world have been in lockdown at various times throughout this year and for varying periods of time. Yeah, I mean, we're in Melbourne at the moment and we're at the start of another six-week period of stage three restrictions. Exactly. People are working from home. So, you know, for some people, Mm. there may be no delineation between workspace and home space and work time and home time. Mm. And more children are being homeschooled. And so, again, there may be no delineation between school and home. And with all of these changes, it's understandable that it's more challenging than ever to adhere to our previous sleep times. Yeah, so it's even more important now that we focus on our intrinsic motivation to maintain our own health as well as the health of our families and loved ones, especially with all of these environmental disruptions and changes. Yeah, This concept of intrinsic motivation is such an important point. So for the next part of this podcast, I'll be talking about some ways that we can improve our sleep. Right now, we may not be able to control all of the external factors affecting our sleep, especially with COVID restrictions, but here are some things that are within our control. Here are 11 tips to help you get a better sleep. Firstly, getting the right amount of sleep. The amount of sleep you require varies from person to person and also changes with age. So we've got some information that Luffy got from the Australian Sleep Health Foundation. So apparently newborns need 14 to 17 hours of sleep per day. (laughs) Toddlers need 11 to 14 hours per day. Teenagers need 8 to 10 hours per day. I'm pretty sure when I was a teenager I was getting closer to 14 hours a lot (laughs) Um, and generally adults need seven to nine hours of sleep each night so that's that's a lot of sleep that is a lot of sleep I don't think I get that much I think I get about five or six yeah both insufficient sleep and excessive sleep can have negative effects on your body Mm. so Luffy how much sleep do you think you get per night on average well (laughs) I actually have a sleep app you do? Which sleep yeah. app? Um, I know the icon. <laughs> I don't know the name. <laughs> so how much but sleep? I, I, can, I, I like to check how much sleep I get. Mm-hmm. So it varies. Uh, usually seven to nine. So you, <laughs> I don't think you're exactly seven to nine. What are you talking about? Some nights I think you get five too. Maybe in my younger days, but not anymore. I don't think I can manage on five hours of sleep anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think you'd be able to survive on five hours anymore. <laughs> no. You know, I also noticed that the timing of the seven to nine hours of sleep makes a difference. When I was an intern and working night shifts from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. every morning, I used to still get about seven to eight hours of sleep, but it was during the day. And I never felt as refreshed as I did when I was sleeping at night. Mm, So mm. for me, sleeping at night, well before midnight and getting my eight hours and waking up at around, you know, five, six a.m., I think works best. Yeah, that works better for me too. Before 12 usually works better for me because then I can get my eight hours of sleep and the sun hasn't come up. I wake up at five, six a.m. and then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Much better. Maintaining a consistent sleep routine every day is also important. 
Exactly. And being consistent with your sleeping and wake times is very important because this can benefit your long-term sleep quality. And I'm definitely guilty of sleeping late and waking up late on weekends. So I definitely need to change this about my routine. Your body actually thrives on having a routine and studies have actually shown that irregular sleeping patterns can actually alter your circadian rhythm, which is your natural body clock. So remember, this consistent sleep routine includes weekends. So if you normally go to sleep around 10 o'clock and wake up at around 6, then you should really adhere to these sleep times during the weekends too. Our next point is about catching the wave of sleepiness. Have you noticed that feeling sleepy at night comes in waves? So it comes and then it goes and then it comes again. You might be in the middle of reading something or watching TV and then you start to feel tired but then you push through because you're not quite done with what you're reading or you're not quite done with the Netflix movie. That wave or that feeling of sleepiness actually comes every one hour and 45 minutes and it only lasts 45 minutes. Exactly. So when that wave of sleepiness comes around at bedtime, don't ignore it. Don't push through, catch that wave. And remember, you only have 45 minutes to catch it before it goes. And if you don't catch it when it comes, you'll have to wait almost two hours for that next wave to come. And by then, it could be two or three o'clock in the morning, and that will really disrupt your normal sleep patterns. So tonight or tomorrow night, take notice of when you start to get sleepy and see if you can catch that wave. Now, this next one is very close to my heart. Everyone knows I'm a champion napper. Luffy? Now, our next point is limiting nap time. Naps are nice. When I think about a nap, I always picture this fluffy cat curled up and asleep on a little sheepskin rug for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Think short power naps. Limit daytime naps to 10 to 15 minute power naps. I know the thought of a long siesta after brunch on a Sunday sounds really enticing, especially during this Melbourne winter, but if you sleep for longer than about 15 to 20 minutes, it can really affect your sleep quality at night. So short power naps are great. Long naps can have a negative effect on your sleep. Now this point, breaks my heart because coffee I probably went up to about 10 11 shots of coffee per day at one stage and and there was actually a point in university where um I can't remember how old I was I was probably 21 was Mm. I 20 20 21 and I came home and I was having heart palpitations. I and remember. Yeah, I do remember. Yep. I was getting headaches and heart palpitations. And so we, well, Luffy investigated further and it turns out I was drinking way too much coffee and Red Bull. So I've since stopped the Red Bull. Very good. <laughs> but I still love coffee. And the reason why I was drinking so much was because I was studying. Um, yeah, I think it's just a general uni student diet to drink a lot of coffee and energy drinks to stay awake Um, but yeah definitely cutting down on the coffee helped my lifestyle immensely I probably limit myself to about two coffees per day two shots of coffee per day so the next point is avoiding caffeine caffeine is in coffee and tea as we know 
It's also in soft drinks and energy drinks Red like Bull. Red Bull. <laughs> it's also in pre-workout preparations, which you also take. Used to, used yes, to take. Yes, true. Caffeine is a stimulant. It can increase wakefulness and increase exercise performance. So it makes you more alert by increasing your brain activity. It can increase your heart rate and blood pressure, and it can cause restlessness and anxiety. The effects of caffeine, believe it or not, can last hours. Studies have shown that caffeine can last anywhere between 6 and 12 hours. Mm. Yeah, did you know that? No, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know about the 12 hours. Yep. And it's been suggested that the best time to drink coffee is between mid to late morning when your cortisol levels are, are lower. Mm-hmm. Caffeine is also a diuretic, so it can make you pass urine more. And if you want a good night's rest, you really don't want to be constantly getting up to go to the bathroom, do you? So make sure you have your last cup of tea or coffee around midday, but definitely no later than six hours prior to going to bed. Otherwise, you might find yourself up all night. Our next point is about smoking and consuming alcohol and the effect on sleep. Smoking... Excessive alcohol intake and illicit drug use can all contribute to bad sleep. We all know that alcohol can leave you feeling drowsy and the American Sleep Foundation has actually reported that as many as 20% of Americans use alcohol to help them fall asleep. While alcohol is a depressant and it can help you fall asleep faster, alcohol contributes to poorer quality sleep. After drinking, there is an increase in the production of adenosine, which is a chemical in the brain which induces sleep. And so you're able to get to sleep quickly, but then it also subsides quickly. And so you can find yourself waking up before you are truly rested. Also, it's thought that alcohol is linked to two types of brain patterns during sleep. Delta activity, which is responsible for slow wave sleep patterns, deep sleep that allows for memory formation and learning, and also alpha activity, which doesn't usually happen when you're asleep, but rather when you're resting quietly while you are awake. So together, the alpha and delta activity in the brain, which occur after drinking, may actually inhibit restorative sleep. And alcohol also blocks REM sleep, which is considered the most restorative type of sleep. Mm -hmm. So in the end, you get to sleep faster, you wake up before you're truly rested, and you're likely to wake up feeling groggy and unfocused. Mm -hmm. And that's not all. Alcohol also not only relaxes the brain, but it relaxes the entire body, including the muscles of the throat, which make you more Mm -hmm. prone to snoring and sleep apnea. Yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And like coffee and tea, alcohol is also a diuretic. So it'll interrupt your sleep by making you want to go to the bathroom through the night. Now, what about smoking? Although you might think that smoking relaxes you, nicotine is actually a stimulant, which will make it harder for you to fall asleep and stay asleep. Mm -hmm. Try to avoid having a cigarette at least two hours before you go to bed. For anyone who would like to reduce their alcohol consumption or quit cigarettes, make sure you see your doctor to discuss it further. So the next point is your bed is for sleep. This one may be trivial, but it's very important. Your bedroom should be reserved for sleep and sex only. If you watch television or read a book while you're in bed, or if you take your laptop or device and do work in bed or eat in bed, you are in fact keeping yourself alert. You are not allowing yourself time to wind down 
and you're not teaching your body that your bed is for sleep. So you need to teach your body to be in sleep mode as soon as your head hits the pillow. I'm guilty of this one. I constantly check my phone as a winding down process um, while I'm in bed and I find that the combination of the blue light um, and just not teaching my body that my bed is for sleep really has been keeping me awake. So I need to put the phone away, put it away from my bedside table. Um, and as soon as I get in bed, close my eyes and teach my body that my bed is for sleep. Our next point is also an important one. Relax. All those activities that increase your alertness and stress just before bedtime, avoid them. Avoid using your mobile phone, Leah, listening to loud music, exposing yourself to bright lights and avoid vigorous exercise. The Australian Sleep Health Foundation has reported that a quarter of all adults use the internet most or every night of the week just before bed and have frequent sleep difficulties or daytime impairments. I think it just it seems normal to just get in bed and as you're winding down, check emails and check notifications and whatnot. But that's that's not the best thing. No. And I'm surprised that it's only a quarter, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. that's surprising. Yeah, I'm, um, sure, I'm sure it's more. Mm. Mm. It's also particularly important to reduce blue light exposure while you wind down as blue light tricks your body into thinking it's daytime. And this follows on from what you said earlier, Leah, about your mobile phone mm. and blue light. Yeah, exactly. So clock in some tech-free time or use implements that block blue light, such as blue light blocking glasses or even um, that setting on your phone that puts it in night mode. So on the flip side, during daylight hours, you want to increase exposure to bright light. So this brings us to our next point, bright lights on waking. You need to expose yourself to bright natural light immediately on waking. Exactly. This helps your circadian rhythm, which is also known as your natural body clock, and helps keep it healthy. So as soon as you wake up, expose yourself to bright light so the body stops producing the sleep hormone melatonin. And about 16 hours later, as an adult, you should be ready to go to sleep. When your body regularly recognizes when to stay awake and when it's time for sleep, it will lead to more energy during the day and better quality of sleep at night. This brings us to our next point, which is regular exercise. Now, everyone knows that regular exercise is great for your health and for your sleep. Staying active and exercising at least 30 minutes a day, five days a week, will help keep you alert throughout the day and help give you a better quality of sleep at night. Now, we'll dedicate a whole podcast episode to exercise because it's a huge topic um, but it's incredibly important for sleep lastly we need to rule out any health conditions so we've talked about some of the things that are in our control and will help us get a better sleep but of course we're assuming that the sleep issues are related to our current lifestyle as Luffy mentioned previously, there are medical conditions that can cause impaired sleep. So it's important to remember that if you are experiencing any other symptoms, we recommend seeing your doctor as soon as possible for more advice. Some of the symptoms to look out for include being consistently tired on waking, waking up in the early hours of the morning, Heavy snoring or episodes of apnea where you gasp or stop breathing, which then causes you to wake up. 
And if you're experiencing any teeth grinding or clenching during sleep or have noticed that your teeth appear cracked or as if they have been ground down, it's important that you visit your dentist as well as your doctor. And that brings us to the end of episode two. We hope this information was useful and helps you to improve your sleep. Hopefully you'll wake up refreshed every morning, stay healthy and get the most out of your mind and body. Thank you again for listening. That's our podcast for today. If you liked what you heard, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes or share and subscribe to stay up to date with our uploads. Always remember, healthy mind, healthy body. See you next time.